Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast. I'm Gavin Shaw. He's Alex Wolf, and we are once again joined by the great PD Webb, draft Nick, player development guru, whatever positive adjective you want to throw his way. He's worthy of it and more. And last time he was on, we discussed the young Knicks. Today, we're going to be talking some young future Knicks, including Josh Giddy. Has he risen too high in the pre-draft process for the Knicks to potentially get him? Is Sharif Cooper still a perfect fit for the Knicks at the point guard spot? What about Brandon Boston? Is his upside worth the risk late in the first round? And then we get into some sleepers that PD thinks could make the Knicks a whole lot better. All that and more right now on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks. Your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. You are Locked On Knicks, and today's episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the app and join Alex and I today at 5.30, Thursday, if you don't know what day it is, to get in on the action. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. And without further ado, let's get into it with P.D. Webb. We'll we'll wrap up our Knicks conversation and uh, move on to our draft conversation. Um, this is a question that is impossible to answer given that we don't yet know where the Knicks are picking. We don't yet know where the Mavericks are picking. We don't really know who's going to be on the board, where and when and how, but given all, given all those qualifiers, um, how would you approach this draft if you were the Knicks having those two picks having, I mean, obviously there are a number of guys who could be free agents and leave the team. And all of a sudden you can go from having what? This year feels like a very deep team to next year. Might not be. It might be bereft of a lot of role-playing talent and, and have significant amounts of minutes available. But given that, at least on the surface, the Knicks um, it, un- unexpectedly seemingly are going to be returning quite a bit of talent next season. Would you try to combine the two picks they have and try and move up in this draft? Or would you be content to take two picks in the 20s and just hope to hit on some depth pieces there or maybe some guys with some upside? Um, so this draft is very, like every draft has its own, um, scarcity problems. Like last year, there were no wings basically after like, you know, the, the top 10, uh, and, and so, or like young, you know, uh, upsidey wings. So like the wings who normally would go in the twenties were suddenly, you know, elevated to, to the teens. Um, this draft like has a whole bunch of like stretch four shooters in the twenties. Like just a whole bunch of really, really good shooters uh, that either don't have the off the dribble game or a little older, um, you know, uh, the little things that ding you out of out of the, the lottery. Um, and I don't necessarily know if that's like the best fit for the Knicks and in terms of like what they're looking for long term of just like getting as much shooting on the floor as possible. Um, if that is, you can find like really good, interesting. Uh, defenders and shooters in the twenties of this draft. Is that the genre that you're thinking or you were more leaning towards let's get let's go go get as many wings as humanly possible? I don't know. I, I'm I'm really because it's so hard to gauge because I don't know what 
they're going to return with next year. But I think I'm of the mentality that it's going to be a while um, if things go well. That not not that they're going to have an exceptionally high pick in this draft, but considering they also have the Dallas pick, it's going to be a while until they have that opportunity. I mean, I guess you could technically say 2023. They also have the Dallas pick, fortunately. But you don't you don't know when your next chance will be to go trade for a guy with star upside, and maybe that player will not be available to them even even with the two picks and even if they were willing to throw in like an Obi Toppin or some other kind of extra asset but I'm always of the opinion that when you're a team on the rise and you have that window you kind of have to nail it because they're few and far between I mean we saw it to your point on Wiseman earlier Golden State had that shot maybe blew it Phoenix last year had the shot to go get Halliburton or someone really useful for this title run, maybe blew it, might cost them a championship. Obviously, the Knicks aren't quite there yet, but I, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm thinking less in terms of archetype and more like what kind of ceiling do you want to bet on if you're the Knicks? Yeah, um, I mean, that's a sort of an age-old question. It's like uh, you'll find that some teams, when they know they're in the playoffs, just want people that can contribute. Um like this was sort of uh, a Doc Rivers bugaboo for a long time, where he would always take guys that were con- that would contribute, but they ended up being like low ceiling, low floor guys who never actually could. He's like, oh yeah, just take the guy who produces in college, and then like obviously college and pros are different, and so they had so many years where like their first round pick just toiled on the end of the bench because he wasn't physically there to to be able to add to the team. But you also don't want to have you know the situation where you draft a guy who's a couple years away. And like you could really use, you know, somebody who's a lot like him, but is maybe like two years of, of strength and conditioning, or you know, another year of feel away. Um, the draft is really difficult, and uh, if you if you're like sixty percent wrong on all your picks, you're doing a great job. Yeah, I think I think that's something that we we talked about that for a minute before the show. That I do think that expectations are often a little too high. Uh, from fans to sort of want this savior type player, not realizing that a lot of successful teams, you know, draft a number of just good role players in the, in the draft, you know, and that could be fine. And there's also, you know, there's going to be busts. And if there's a bust or two every once in a while, it doesn't necessarily mean your front office is bad. It just means they made the wrong read. Um, I would say that the NBA draft is by and large, not quite as much of a crapshoot as like the NFL draft in that regard, but it's still, I mean, it's, it's a guessing game, you know? So if it, it, like you said, it's, it's, I think you described it before we started recording is almost like, it's like shooting, you know, like if you're, if you're hitting on 45 to 50%, that's like a really good conversion percentage on your draft picks. It's once you start getting GMs that, you know, and it all matters around the margins, but you know, guys that are only hitting on you know, whatever, like 35 to 40% of their picks that you start saying, all right, well, how much capital are you wasting here? Uh, and are you worth having here when we could potentially get someone that could be 10% better than you? Um, yeah. Like basketball but, is a failure sport. Like, I mean, like, again, it, the best shooters in the world miss more than they make. Um, but like we, exp- every fan base is like, oh, the guy we got in the sixties is like going to be Manu. It's like, that happened once ever. Like yeah. <laughs> appreciate it, but also like if if you're if a guy you get at like fifty seven is like your ninth man for four years, you have done an awesome job drafting. And yeah. like yeah. like uh, it's that like every team wants it all to make sense and also to never miss. And it's like, well, at this point, you're not talking like this is a, the draft is not a wish wish fulfillment portal. Um, it's like 
the the best thing the draft does is that it often gives a window into how a team views itself. So like the Phoenix Suns clearly like view themselves a certain way. Like I I would have, you know, screamed at the top of my lungs, draft Devin Vassell. Um, they did not. Um, and you know, is Sticks a, a person who is going to help them on this playoff run? I don't particularly think so. Um it is like so with with the Knicks, like I think that you can make the argument for just like trying to get players who are just, if you just get as much shooting as possible um, to, to try to play space support for RJ and, and Julius. If there is any kind of shooting regression from either one of them by maxing out the shooting, you know, um, but surrounding them, you sort of insulate against that or just getting as many wings as possible. Um, you know, you have uh, some of like, I would say the more developmental wings or wings that have like a, a, a particular flaw are available in the twenties for a lot of like, I would say like this draft is going to be very fit dependent. Um, if you have teams that need bigs early, which like there are bigs in this draft that some people really do like, like this draft can fall a hundred different ways. And like, there's like, okay. So like Jaden Springer, for example, I would probably take Jaden Springer for most teams in the top five. And I've talked to people who have Jaden Springer in like the mid to late twenties. Um, just because we have slightly different evaluations. And we also think the draft will go slightly differently. This is going to be a draft that can go a whole bunch of different ways, not because it's a bad draft, but because it's going to be so contextually dependent on how teams view their own development and how they view these players. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than charging price based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require a membership or account login. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpets. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Yeah, I think I think that's a fair assessment. And and to get into individual guys, um, I was gonna I was gonna mention Davion Mitchell, but I think I think I might know your your answer on him that he probably will not make it into the twenties. So I'll skip I'll skip right ahead to. Josh Giddy as a name we've heard a whole lot about. I know I've seen you tweet about him a bit. PD, obviously, teenager in Australia. Seems like a very, very talented passer. Other aspects of his game are quickly expanding. Is he someone you could see falling into the 20s, or do you think how well he's played of late is going to prevent that from happening? I think how he's played of late has prevented that from happening. Um, In a lot of ways, like Giddy is... um, who people who like didn't pay attention to the draft thought Lamelo was, and that like he's really he, he is a wild passer, and that like he tries to throw things that I like just I don't see what he's trying to throw. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. 
Uh, the defense is uh, laconic at times. It, it seems like he's very much defending off ball for tape, which is like he just doesn't want to get yelled at in the film room. So he gets exactly where he wants to, but doesn't necessarily like make the play on the rotation. Um, the jumper is developing. He's had like four triple doubles in his last five games or three triple doubles in his last four games um, in Australia, which is a league that is very difficult for teenagers because all of the bigs are like just grown ass men. Like every big is like, you know, at least six, nine, like 250, 260. And they just, it's so hard to get a foul there. Um, I did a, a, a let's watch film with Henry Ward on, on Josh Giddy that, um, that broke down one of his games. And it's the level of competition in Australia is, is it's difficult to produce in, in the way that these point guards are and how well he's performed of late. And just like the second half of his year where, Jumper started to fall, you know, being a six eight ball handler um, who can get to spots, even with his handle being rudimentary, is uh, a thing that teams are going to fall in love with. And I would say that it's more likely that he goes inside the top ten than like. I think there's almost no chance he falls out of the lottery. Yeah, it, it certainly seems like he's that sort of high physical upside guy with you know that seems like he could potentially be molded like a ball of clay into a potential superstar or a potential bust for all it matters. And and that's always the type of guy that attracts certain NBA teams that are, you know, trying to cash in on that, that like 10 to 14 pick and turn into something more than what you would traditionally get there. Um, which kind of brings me to another guy. And I, I'm really curious your thoughts on him uh, based off the fact that he is a guy who was previously projected to potentially I mean, going into the season, he was some people were saying he might challenge Cade for, you know, the top prospect in this class. It felt sort of the energy to me felt very like Brandon Ingram versus Ben Simmons sort of thing going into the year. And ultimately, he just did not produce this year, which is BJ Boston uh, of Kentucky had really horrible shooting percentages that everybody thought was just a slump at first, but then just kind of continued throughout the year. And he never really found his shot that way. He just never seemed particularly comfortable from what it seems like. I'd be lying if I said I watched every game that he played or something. Uh, but based off what I've what I've read and what I've watched, it seems like he just kind of never found his groove in college. Uh, do you think based off of the development infrastructure that we now sort of see with the Knicks here, that seems, I would say, pretty formidable based off the, the strides that RJ has made, how well quickly he's adjusted to the pros, even, you know, we talked about in our last episode with like Toppin, uh, you know, as far as his how he's, you know, progressing as the year's gone on. Um, do you think that he's a guy that the Knicks could potentially look at with one of those two picks, particularly if they have, say, a more of a sure thing? You know, let's say it's just like a, a surefire shooter type that, you know, you figure will at best in his career be like a you know, Kyle Corver or something, if he can, you know, really get his, his shot together and everything and just kind of be like a three and D. Uh, do you think maybe they would take a swing on someone like Boston with that second pick? And do you think the Knicks would potentially be a good environment for him now that they sort of have this infrastructure, this Kentucky connection, like Kenny Payne was probably part of recruiting Boston. So there'd be a certain familiarity there. Do you think maybe that would allow him to finally start kind of finding his legs at a higher level of basketball in high school? Yeah, um, so I was never a person who believed in like BJ top five. Um, in in uh, when he was starting this year, um, as a person who had, I think did watch every single Kentucky game this year, um, 
I can say that like this circumstance, the, the, the roster that was built in Kentucky and uh, the changes that were made to his jumper is sort of a perfect cauldron of like engineering a system for his own failure. He's very much an off ball player with a handle, but he's not a primary ball handler. And he was asked to do that all the time. Uh, his other issue is that he's very skinny and uh, the sec is not a place for skinny guys to go play. So he was an on ball guy playing out of position at a physical disadvantage who at his best is sort of a tough shot artist. Um, so that leads to his, you know, November, December, and January just being uh, really, really difficult. His second half of the year, the jumper came along and I think he, or uh, he, he shot 44, 42% from three. It's his last two months uh, over 50 attempts. So like he, he put it together later in the year. Um, the two point percentage never came around. It just, consistently couldn't find easy buckets. I mean, part of that's the physicality of, of the SEC and, and the frame that he has. He's long, but not like, you know, OG Ananobi, like uh, Kawhi Leonard, like super arms, um, which is sort of like the difference between him and Brandon Ingram, who can, Brandon could stride past people, even when he was at his, his thinnest. Um, and that, you know, meant teams or players, even in college, I like, couldn't get physical just because he could extend his leg so long. Um, Brandon is, is a little bit away. Um, it's probably going to be, like two or three years before you get returns just based on, on the physical uh, upside of like him dribbling in the NBA. But I think the jumper is real. Uh, you know, when you take the, the, the second half of the year and, uh, and the improvements he showed and understand the game, like I think there's still quite a bit there. Um, he's always been a, a good free throw shooter, never great, but I think it's an interesting bet in the twenties. And it's one that like, there is, you know, a lot of history of, players improving flexibility and strength specifically like the skinny wing archetype um, in the league. Um, so uh, I, I, you know, I've written about him uh, quite a bit in, in the series that I have on shooting. And I think that he has some, you know, fairly low hanging fruit to fix on the jumper, um, but would certainly, if you can get him in the twenties, which I think will most likely happen, um, it'd be a good bet. Um, we were thinking of, of asking you specifically about, Knicks, but I, I guess the way I want to frame that question is, do you think the Knicks, and I mean, this this touches on a lot of what we talked about last time you came on with Emmanuel quickly and what his future role would be. And I guess the way I'd frame it is, assuming they strike out in free agency, don't get a Chris Paul or Kyle Lowry to bring in, uh, do you think the Knicks should be looking for a point guard? If so, what type of point guard should they look for? Does Knicks kind of fit that role um because it, it feels like just given that they have quickly given that they have rj given that they have randall at least in my mind there's a little bit less of a pressure to find the next great chris paul style floor general and more just a fifth guy who can bring it up and, and fit in that archetype and, and certainly shoot off the ball but i'm curious what what you think about that and, and who if you think they should target one who would be the ideal guy to target at that spot in the draft all right, guys, and it's time for another break. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC slash MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit if you use our promo code LOCKEDON. Bet online, your online sportsbook 
experts. Okay, so I have uh, I don't think that Dacian is the exact type. I think that like I think that you have too many similar body types. Um, like Dacian is a as a much bigger, like stronger, heftier guard. Um, sort of like thinking the the same way that like Andre Miller looked. Um, I don't think that's a great fit because that doesn't to me solve the biggest issue with the Knicks guards of the past five years or so, which is the ability to put two feet in the paint at will. Um, so the two names that I would have would be Jaden Springer, who I think is is one of the five like best bets in this class, but um, certainly he's also very young, which is a, a punishment usually lev- levied uh, against freshmen um, because their numbers don't look as good because they don't get to obviously play people who are dramatically younger than them. Um, so he is like a power guard, um, but he does have burst. Uh, he, I would say, is a I would view him as like a defense first guard. Initially, he can score, but it, it's um, the it's not his forte. Um, viewing him as, as sort of a, a stocks plus shooting guy, uh, it was a very small sample, but he shot forty percent on for for his year at Tennessee. Um, teams just don't seem to be in love with him the way that I am. Uh, again, a, a guy who only takes 2.63s per, per 30 minutes, but shoots 43%. There's a little bit of uh, a cognitive dissonance. And like, if you're a good shooter, you should always shoot more. But um, Tennessee has sort of built a, uh, a, a team that takes, uh, you know, pro hop uh, step throughs instead of uh, taking a volume of threes. Um, and then the other name is Sharif Cooper. Um, and Sharif Cooper is probably the best passer in this draft. Uh, he is, you know, under six foot and skinny, but getting to the paint at will was not a problem in the SEC. Um, he had a limited season by uh, injury and by uh, uh, an NCAA investigation, but in the games that he played, he was awesome. Um, and he certainly uh, has a, a jumper that does need to be fixed. I think it's pretty low hanging in terms of like the, the adjustments that need to be made. But he has two, I would say, like, outstanding skills for this class with the ability to create advantage and the ability to pass. And um, with the type of defense that the Knicks are building, you can afford to have a small, uh, a small scoring guard uh, at the one. Um, And I think that that would sort of fit the general archetype of guards that that Tibbs likes, although he is, um, you know, a way, 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 way better passer than anybody that he got in Chicago. So to that sort of answers guys that you think maybe are being slept on to a degree that you think maybe should be ranked higher based off of where they are. Do you think that there are any guys in this class that would be sort of that guy, the, the poor kid that ends up, you know, <laughs> making the trip to New York if they do an in-person draft this year? Uh, ends up sitting there for way longer at his table in like the green room there and finally gets drafted, you know, in the the 20s or maybe even the early second round uh, that was previously projected to be a lottery pick. I'm thinking like, you know, in terms of for better or worse type scenarios, like for better, you end up getting a Brandon Clark, you know, in the, the 20s for worse. You know, there's like Deonta Davis, who is by and large mocked really high in drafts and then fell to the second round. People thought that would be like a huge steal. He, he didn't really turn into much in the NBA or, or at least hasn't to this point. Um, do you think that there are any guys that are kind of like that in this draft that 
maybe right now are being valued highly in mock drafts by certain people and stuff. But ultimately when we get to draft night might be guys that fade for one reason or another. Hmm. Okay. So I had an answer until that last bit. Um, Cause I think that he'll rise in the pre-draft process. Um, that's tough because like this draft is so strange in so many ways, like players not having, you know, representative seasons like COVID has had, I made many seasons strange. So like a guy like Zaire Williams, who, you know, is probably like in the mid teens to like early twenties for some people at this point, um, had a, a difficult year at Stanford, again, really skinny uh, wings for like six, eight, six, nine um, plus shooter, but takes like difficult shots um, with a good looking form, but just doesn't quite go in as much as you need. Struggle to get to the rim. Okay, passer, but very, very good mover. Um, I think that, I think that like that's the sort of guy that teams will say, "Well, he's he has these positives," but you know, he was he was a previously heralded RSCI guy. Didn't quite work out at Stanford in the way that we thought. Has some you know uh, difficult advanced metrics. Might not be worth the investment for us. Where the Knicks being able to have maybe a longer view. Saying like, well, we could always use a, a six nine guy who we think will shoot in time, and that like we can put strength on and, and putting him into the you know the 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 Kenny and Johnny uh, player development program. With you know, I think you can always bet on skinny guys if you have a, a series of like strong guys to 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 buffet them against uh you know with the rebounding and um, strength differentials and strength matchups that that come uh, as a problem for skinnier wings. So like Zaire would be a guy that like I could see following if his pre-draft goes poorly or the teams just don't buy into it for whatever reason. And you would get a player who has very, very high upside um, at a position of value, but maybe might take a little bit longer or just maybe a little more awkward than teams are, are willing to buy into. Um, maybe this, maybe the best way to frame this is just who should the Knicks target with the, with the Pistons pick, but is there... Anyone at the top of the second round who doesn't necessarily fit that previous category of a guy who, who was a big name who will drop, but just just maybe someone you you really really like that will go in that range, whether it's because of their age or if they're a mid major player or an international guy, but someone early at the second round that you maybe like to see the Knicks take a swing on. Um, yeah. So like I would say July I from uh, um, from Gonzaga. Um, I don't like, he's, he's sort of a one, he's sort of a two. I think his passing chops are, are better than, um, than like what he's broadly given credit for, but just like, he's an adult on offense. He, like he has flashes of, of being able to do interesting things, but like he was a guy who shot 66% true shooting, it shot 38% from three, uh, almost 80% from the free throw line, a good rebounder for his position. Doesn't really turn the ball over. Um, is capable of like adjusting. If you want him to shoot more, you can do that. Like, I guess it's sort of the same idea as quickly of just being like, if you have a guy who could do like things well, you can always figure it out later. Um, and I thought that like Gonzaga is, it was a fantastic team, but it's also not necessarily the best showcase of like doing more just because like they just steamrolled teams where if you put him in a circumstance where he had to create more, I think his draft stock would have been higher. Um, like Kispert got the bump just because of the, the level of shooter that Kispert is. But I think that he, yeah, he has a little more in his bag than um, than given credit for, and it would be like just the sort of wing that like, hey, he's going to produce. Yeah, we can play him at the one or the two. 
um, or you know the three if if you're trying to, to you know pack a lineup with with Julius uh, at the four. To me, this just seems like like the utility guard that shoots is is a thing that like good teams can never have enough of, um, and a guy that I just think is going to be in the league for like twelve years. All right, well, PD, I think that's a, a good note to wrap us up on here. Uh, do you want to let everybody know where to find you online, where to find your work, the Patreon, the streams, all that good stuff before we let you go? Oh, wait, Alex, we got to mention a Roko real quick. Oh, yes. I didn't even, <laughs> duh. You know, maybe, you know what, let's just edit that in post. I totally just like jumped ahead because I was like, oh, yeah, we're getting to the bottom. All right, let's do that real quick. So I'll just re-record that. Three, two. And how do you say his last name? I already forget. Precaution. It's like Precaution. Precaution. Almost. <laughs> I, I've got like percation in my head. Precaution. Okay. All right. Three, two, one. We'll just redo that. All right. And we got one more prospect that we want to get into, PD. And this is a guy that we understand you've been doing a lot of work on anyway. So I kind of want to hear, this is a name I've been intrigued by, but one that, you know, we noted when we were talking before the show, hasn't really gotten a lot of, uh, a lot of love recently is for, as far as articles and stuff. And that's Rocco precaution, uh, international big, Seems to be pretty multifaceted, but also weirdly not in the public eye, which maybe will change prior to draft time, uh, because it seems like those sort of toolsy shooting Euro bigs always kind of find their way into the discussion the closer we get to draft time, like the the Poku effect, I guess, you know, or Porzingis or whoever else. Um, so what's sort of your read on him as someone that you've been doing a lot of work on lately? Yeah, um, so I really, really like Rocco, and I have for a, a couple of years now. The the international class for for this one specifically is like almost all youth prodigies. So like Usman Garuba, uh, like popped onto the international scene playing U sixteen at age fourteen when he was MVP of Euro U sixteen. Um, Percussion uh, was a year was it the same the the a, a, another Euro U sixteen event um, where he popped because like he plays like an American kid. Like he's banging on people. Um, uh, you know, there's a particular edge that, uh, that like Croatian and Serbian players play with where, you know, he, he will dunk on your head and let you know about it, which is a thing I really appreciate. Um, he is a, a very modern four. Um, he takes threes. He can handle the ball a, a little bit. He makes good decisions. Um, as a passer, it, it's sort of an embryonic uh, like stretch four where like he could move into a number of, of different directions offensively, depending on how teams want to develop him. He was seen as like a top 10 guy a year ago, um, but has fallen off the radar despite playing better. And the a- the Adriatic League isn't like a bad league. Um, he's played extremely well, especially in the last two weeks. He had, a, a, I think, a 40 ball uh, two weeks ago and has had multiple you know 20-point games in, in the last two weeks. They're still playing games and... I don't think he finishes the season up for a couple more weeks, but we're looking at a at an interesting uh, four, probably um, one of the more interesting. I think a guy that will end up going in the top ten uh, as this draft gets closer. Um, certainly, um, like certainly the type of player that when you describe in the abstract, it's like, oh yeah, the league would love that. Like in the same way that Giddy, it's like he's a big ball handler. You're like, yeah, he's gonna go high. Describing Rocco, it's like, yeah, he's an athletic four who can shoot dribbles, uh, play makes, and Oh, he was also the youngest uh, team captain in the history of his uh, um, uh, of his professional program, being named the captain at age seventeen. 
All right. I think that's, that's as good of a note as any to end on, PD. We'll, we'll certainly hope to get you back in the peak of draft season. But until then, can you let everyone know where they can find your work and, and something new that you're doing with the Let's Watch Film Twitches, which uh, people can join in on and, and participate, as far as I understand. Yeah. Um, so you can find me on Twitter at Above the Break 3, um, uh, where, you know, just saying asinine things that pop into my head. Um, uh, the uh, I am doing a Twitch channel, Let's Watch Film, where I pick a, uh, a representative game from a prospect and uh, run them uh, run a Twitch session live with a uh, notable scout or, or journalist uh, joining me. I, so far, we've, we've done a pretty good job and, and kept all the streams up. It's, I think, the only place you can really like, watch a full game uh, with people and, and talk about how you're breaking down the game, what you're seeing, um, we talk about micro skills a lot. So if a player like messes up a small thing, like as I say, like they, you know, come off a screen and, and use the hop versus the one, two, we'll show clips of this is how different people handle it. This is, you know, how it's taught. Um, it, it's a pretty fun experience. Uh, and then we'll do like a little Q and a afterwards. Um, the replays are also done uh, are also up on YouTube. Um, if you just type in let's watch film and the, the name of the guy, I think we've, we've done two or three now. Um, and then, yeah, I also have a Patreon where I do, I, I'm still writing. Uh, overly long breakdowns of, of uh, draft prospects. Um, the work is always free, but if you can swing any money, uh, it'd be appreciated because video editing programs weirdly don't come cheap. <laughs> uh, who do you who do you have next in terms of the Patreon? Who you're writing about? So the Rocco one will be out to will be out either tonight or tomorrow, depending on how editing goes. Then the uh, the Let's Watch film will be t- will be Tuesday at six p.m. Eastern. Then after that, I'm going to do the G League guys, uh, Jonathan Kaminga and Jalen Green. Wow. All right. Well, I'll certainly be reading that, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners will too. Uh, Thanks again, PD, and we'll, we'll have you back on soon. All right. Thank you so much. All right, guys. Thanks once again to PD Webb. He was awesome. Please go follow him on Twitter at Above the Break 3. Subscribe to his Patreon. And uh, check out his Let's Watch film series because it's, it's frankly really good. And you're not going to learn more about basketball anywhere else. And we wanted to remind you to get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. You can do so with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts, sometimes inexplicably, including Alex and I. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts.